Thank you, everyone. We have reached a milestone at Inside Personal Growth. This is our 1,000th podcast, and thanks for listening to the show and supporting us over the last 16 years. It is because of you that I keep doing the show, and it's because of all of the interesting authors uh, that you're able to listen to that have come through these last 16 years of podcast that I keep doing the show. I'm a continual learner. I'm curious, as I know many of you are, and this is the way that I learn is by getting great authors and great books to do podcasts with. You're going to be hearing a podcast now by T.J. Woodward on Conscious Creation. I know that you're all going to enjoy this podcast. This, again, is a milestone. This is our 1,000th podcast. And keep spreading the word, www.insidepersonalgrowth, iTunes, Spotify, and all your favorite channels you can listen to the show. Thanks for taking this time, and thanks for listening to Inside Personal Growth. Well, welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Boyson, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And TJ, everybody knows me. I've been doing this 16 years, over 1,000 podcasts. It's really about you today. On the other end of the line, joining us from Los Angeles, California, is uh, TJ Woodward. Good day to you, TJ. How are you doing? I'm great, Greg. I'm excited about this conversation. I know we have a lot in common, so I'm really excited to be here with you. Well, likewise, I mean, um, you are a fascinating individual. Um, for my listeners uh, to learn more about TJ, might as well start this off right. We're going to be talking about his book called Conscious Creation. He has three books um, to his credit, but uh, Conscious Creation, he's got Conscious Recovery. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that and the conscious recovery methods, but um, you can reach him at tjwoodward.com. What's TJ stand for? Thomas you know John? That is a very long story. <laughs> I was never anything but TJ, so everything's been legally changed to TJ at this point. So okay. I can all make right. up all sorts of things. I can tell you what the kids called me at the different ages. They came up with a lot of creative things that it stood for. Let's leave it at that. Okay, so we won't <laughs> ask you what's on your birth certificate. So okay. the reality is your parents did name you some first name and some middle name. And that's usually, right. But that's great. I love it. So for my listeners, before we get into conscious creation, because creativity is a conscious process, you've got to really be intuitive too. Um, TJ might know this. My listeners definitely know this. I wrote a book called Hacking the Gap, A Journey from Intuition to Innovation and Beyond. Mm. And what you realize about conscious creativity is it comes through you. Right. And you have to be listening and you got to be aware. So we're going to be talking about that, which is why I'm excited to talk to GJ, TJ. I'm going to let people know about you. He's helped countless people uh, through his simple yet powerful teachings. Again, go to tjwoodward.com. And he's also got a, an amazing YouTube channel. Anybody wants to see YouTube videos on the three books, on the teachings, Go up to his, all you got to do is type in when you're at YouTube, TJ Woodward, it's going to come up. Uh, he's got thousands of listeners too and, and viewers. He's an inspirational speaker, educator. Uh, he enlightens, entertains audiences around the world. Uh, as an addiction treatment specialist, 
TJ assists treatment programs in achieving brilliant results through program development, curriculum design, and clinical trainings. He was given the distinct honor of being selected as a thought leader on wholehearted.org. Check that out. Along with Marianne Williamson, we were just talking about here before we got on. She's running for president. Brene Brown uh, and Mark Lundholm. Uh, he's also the founder of Ministry of the Agape Bay Area in Oakland, which is where he used to live, which was the first satellite community of the Agape International Spiritual Center, which is Michael Beckwith, we all know, in 2018. Uh, he also hosted and does host Conscious Being Radio Show on Unity Online Radio, an Awakening Living TV show in San Francisco. He published the books, which we said, the first one was Conscious Being, Awakening to Your True Nature, 2015. The second book was Conscious Recovery, A Fresh Perspective on Addiction, was released December 2017. And his third book, which we're going to be talking about today mainly, is Conscious Creation, Five Steps to Embrace the Life of Your Dreams. And we'll put a link to Amazon uh, to that book. But obviously, if you just type in TJ Woodward, you're going to come up with all three books. Uh, he TJ graduated from Spiritual Development Program 2011 and graduated from Leadership Program, both at Unity Institute. Well, TJ, fascinating background. Obviously, spirituality has been one of the things that's been your calling. Um, you know, people could say, well, they used to tell me I was the undercover evangelist when I would go into businesses and teach what I thought. <laughs> And the reality is, there is a truth to that. I think there's many, I told people that I used to drive around when I was very young, back when there were cassette players in cars, and I would listen to Norman Vincent Peale day in and day out and day in and day out. And I will tell you the days I was extremely depressed, he was my inspiration to keep me going. And I think you need someone like that. You need somebody like TJ. Go watch those videos. Now, TJ, in one of your videos at your YouTube site, you have a whole section dedicated to this conscious creation book. And in the beginning one, um, you know, you speak about um, abundance, you know, where there's the secret came out, right? And everybody was all around the secret. And you're going to pull abundance into your life. Um, and abundance is one way to get creation, right? To create it in your life, to manifest something in your life. What did you find out about meditation and creating things in your life that really made this journey different and that you really believe people that are going to read your book are going to have an aha moment too? Well, it starts with what you are already saying, right? The law of attraction, the secret came out, and there's a big focus on manifestation. What do we manifest? And when we talk about that, we generally hear what we're attracting to us, right? Maybe we talk about changing our thinking so that we can attract a different type of partner or more money in our life, a more fulfilling work situation. Uh, maybe we talk about attracting more love into our life. What I'm talking about is something really different, which I'm sure we'll dive into, but we're really talking about tapping into deep inner wisdom and radiating 
a frequency radiating into the world. So a shift from the law of attraction to the law of radiance. And in my own journey, well, you, you said now not to interrupt you. And I apologize because I got to get this thought out. The rate at which we vibrate. So it's our consciousness, you know, and you actually showed a picture on the video of a outline of a body with a vibration. Right. Mm-hmm. And I believe there's a lot to that. Because there's so many people that are dense, the vibration level is not super high. And you know, when you feel, you can feel that if you're attuned. How did you become so attuned to actually ascertaining this vibration level? Well, it it came through me trying to change my thinking and spending many, many years. You know, I came into New Thought in 1988 and I really grabbed onto this idea of changing your thinking, changing your life. So I became aware of that. I did the vision boards. I did all the things, right? The things about manifestation. And Greg, to tell you the truth, I manifested everything that I put on the vision board, all the thoughts that I had. And I realized that it didn't really change the way I felt. And I had this sort of existential crisis of now what? And I realized that it really isn't about our thinking. It's really about our vibration. And that vibration going out into the world naturally matches. And so there's a paradox here. As soon as I realized that all the stuff that I was trying to manifest wasn't going to make me happy, that this really was about tapping into deep inner wisdom and the vibration of that, then I radiated that into the world. And then, of course, the greatest paradox is now I have a life that's deeply fulfilling, more abundant than than it's ever been, a life more on purpose. So it really is about frequency much more than it is about just our thoughts. You know, how do you sustain that? You know, it's one thing for us to sit here and talk about it. And it's another to say, what are the practices that one uses to sustain it? Now, I know we can talk about mindfulness. We can talk about meditation, contemplation, silence, uh, you know, and the list walking in the woods, going to the beach, um, all those things. But sometimes, you know, I'm surprised by what authors are doing. And the listeners always want to know. You know, it's like, okay, I get what you're saying, but I need to stay in this vibration level and I can't be drugged down by all the negativity around me, the news, the media, the whatever. Um, I can only take parts of that in that I, that I think I need. So what would you advise people today? Because the world is moving so fast. Uh, we're, we're at a lightning speed in my estimation from where we used to be. Uh, we can't hardly even pay attention because our cell phones are dinging, binging, doing whatever. Um, we've got now videos used to be eight and nine minutes long. Now they're saying, well, can you say it in 37 seconds? Right. Right. And so that whole attention deficit disorder that I believe almost everybody has, what do you do to, to fix that? Well, I think it is interesting because now we call a six minute video long form. <laughs> that used to be a short video. I think um, in, in my conscious creation process, there's a very simple premise and that is we're always creating our life either unconsciously or consciously. And so you named a lot of the practices that help us slow down and tap into inner wisdom. But in my process, in my five-step process, I start with making peace with the past and overcoming core false beliefs. And I assure you this is answering your question because if I haven't done that deeper work of releasing or living beyond the stories, the ideas, and the beliefs that keep me limited, I am then being bounced around by the world. The news will throw me off center. 
center. Um, the phone call will throw me off center. So it really is about awareness, awareness, awareness. It is about those spiritual practices that you mentioned. I think an important piece, though, is what needs to be released or overcome in order for us to actually be in this vibration. Because a lot of times we hear, raise your vibration, but actually it's about what needs to be released so that we can tap into really the core vibration that we are, which is an infinite being. Yeah, I love that in the video. Now, one of the things um, we did, you and I, before we got on this call, was we set an intention for our listeners and for ourselves. And one of your five is making peace with the past, overcoming false, uh, overcoming core false beliefs, visioning, intention, setting, underline, and embodying your vision. Um, If you would talk about the steps, the change that will happen to the listeners if they follow these steps, um, and going from being an unconscious being to being a conscious being vibrating at a completely different level. Yeah. So I promised myself some years ago, I would never be that person who had the three steps to success or the eight steps. And then I created this five steps to embracing the life of your dreams, of course. And I used mm-hmm. the acronym movie. So you already talked about the first two steps, making peace with the past and overcoming core false beliefs. In my experience, most people start with the intention setting or the goal setting. January 1, we set our goals, we set our intentions, and then we strive toward them. And what I'm offering is the importance of the clearing steps. What needs to be addressed? What do we need to be aware of? What are those things from our past that we're carrying around with this that are coloring our present and therefore our future? And what are the core false beliefs that we're walking around with that are keeping us stuck and limited, or at least we believe they are? So those clearing steps are really important because once we get to the V, visioning, which I'm sure we're going to talk more about, it really is about listening very intently to inner wisdom, as I mentioned. And I know you and I know that that's a very different way of creating. It's not, what do I want to manifest and how do I make it happen? It's, let me be a blank canvas here or an empty vessel and listen intently. And those messages that come from vision are way more powerful than anything I could create in my mind. It It, it is. And I think sometimes people are stuck around that one. So I want to, I want to get there with you because... Even you and I get stuck. You know, we're not beyond like, okay, we're supposed to manifest this vision. And sometimes people don't see it in their mind's eye, right? And, you know, I think it was Napoleon Hill. He he, he talked about mastermind groups and having people of support around you and being able to actually reach your goals and attain your goals. What is it that you do? to embody and hold the vision. And I know you said you had um, the vision boards, right? And I know some people take the time to do them. On the other hand, what would be the hacker's way to get there? (laughs) Well, I mean, I I think the concept, right? Because we are living in a culture where what's the hack? And in some ways there is, there are hacks because um, the vision board is really visualization. 
And I want to draw a distinction between visualization and visioning. With visualization, we get the vision board, we we do the cutouts, you know, the magazine, the pictures of what we want to manifest. We hold that picture and then we we attract it. With visioning, we're with the best of intentions, we release any preconceived ideas and we listen to inner wisdom. So in some ways, we can say the hack is releasing any idea of what I think I know I want and really spending dedicated time in the silence. Of course, that can be also considered a much longer practice, but we can have spontaneous insight that is really different than just trying to figure out what we want. So visualization is we figure out what we want, we hold that picture in our mind, and we attract it into our lives. That's kind of that paradigm. Visioning is something really different. The vision board is blank and we listen to inner wisdom and we listen to those subtle and then sometimes not so subtle inner messages that can take our life in a really different direction. Yeah. And I want to address something because you said it earlier and there's a great author out there, uh, Elizabeth Gould, wrote a book called Feeling Forwards. And she's been on the show and she speaks about your emotions, you were talking about our emotions to put ourselves in that position. So it's like, can you feel yourself being there? Can you carry the essence, the vibration, the emotion of being there? What would you comment about? Because I think that's just as important as doing the vision board and having the vision is to actually feel yourself there. That's right. And that's the E embodying the vision in my five-step process. It's really holding because that is that frequency. And that frequency shows up physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. So it is true that thoughts have a frequency. And what you're speaking to is also very important. And that is the feeling tone, as Michael Beckwith calls it, or the emotion. And you know that might be different or it might be the same. But what would it actually feel like to be fully in this vision? And that is is such an important thing because then what happens is we do actually tune into that vibration and emotions are a big part of it. What would it feel like to have this manifest? I remember when I was opening my first business in in the, the late 90s, I would imagine myself on a daily basis being in that business, running that business. What would it feel like? What would be the emotions? And I spent dedicated time really feeling into that. And then, of course, we know frequencies align and it does feel like magic because suddenly doors open where there were only walls before. It's so true. And what was that business, TJ? Uh, It was a furniture. Well, it it was a a gift store, a furniture store. And, you know, that was the that really was a time in my life when I thought, oh, if I just get this I'm going to be happy. There's a whole story there, but essentially um, about seven years into having that business, I had a deeper, for me, it, it's a deeper calling into doing spiritual work. And at some point, everything fell apart and I realized, wow, this is time to shift from visualization to visioning. That was a profound moment in my life. Yeah. You know, as you speak about that store, it uh, I reflect on, I've gotten hooked on these Two guys in New York, Jeremiah and whatever, they're designers. And do you know them? They're two gay men and they're in New York and they go to all these antique stores to try and find this stuff and then repurpose it and put it back. But it's fascinating. Um, Now, you know, you talk about four levels of consciousness that state and they simply provide a framework 
for something that is actually as fluid um, and intricate. Do you talk to the listeners about these four levels of consciousness? Because, you know, I've heard so many, you know, it's like, okay, I'm rising up in my level of consciousness. I know at Self-Realization Fellowship, we talk about the chakras, the crown chakra, all the way down through, and the five chakras, right? But we're trying to get connection with a higher spirit at the highest level of consciousness during meditation to make that connection so that you could hold that within you as you go throughout your day. Um, Speak with the listeners about these levels of consciousness and this forward progression from level one to level four, as you call it. Yeah. And so I've given them different names that all start with M because my mind works that way. And and I'm going to tell an interesting story. The very first talk I ever gave in a New Thought Center, and I don't even know what year, somewhere in the mid 2000s, I called the talk Beyond Metaphysics. And I laid out this framework that came to me in a meditation with these four levels. And my friend came up to me afterward and said, have you ever heard Michael Beckwith speak about these? They're almost identical. And that's the way consciousness works. So, you know, I'm now friends with him and we've talked about that and we pick up in consciousness that which is something that exists. And we can talk more about that. But these four levels, um, martyr consciousness, magical thinking consciousness, metaphysical consciousness, and mystical consciousness. Mm. And very simply said, martyr consciousness is the world's happening to me. Things happening to me. Yeah. And then this, this magical thinking is I make things happen. I'm the creator. And that's where a lot of the visualization, we're focusing on the mind, how to change the mind. Metaphysical is things happen through me. This is where we hear people say, I'm a channel for spirit. Uh, you hear the term through me. It's more emotion focused. You know, we might say spirit lives in my heart. And then the mystical level is things happen as me. And we realize there's no separation, that we are actually source energy, that we are not different than any human on the planet. And when we're living in that vibration, we're no longer buying into the paradigm of good and bad and right and wrong, us and them, and all the divisiveness that seems to be so seductive in our culture right now. Yeah, you know, I remember going to Palm Springs and uh, seeing... Um, I want I forget his first name, Hawking. And it was Power versus Force, right? Is that was the book, I think, if I remember correct. But we would talk about the vibratory level that the average person, and he put frequencies and said, you know, was somewhere in that range of two to five hundred. But that Jesus Christ and people like the Dalai Lama and whatever, they're at like a thousand plus or two thousand or whatever it was. So the levels, it really gave you a perspective about how much focused work it takes to get to those levels of consciousness. You know, those beings, there's all kinds of mystics that have come to this planet to help the world. Uh, You're another one of them, right? And when I say that, kind of, you know, you say mystics, we're all mystics in one way or another, right? Helping, teaching, serving. Um, You know, I do it through this podcast. You do it through your videos, through your sermons, through your coaching, through your training. But um, speak with us a a little bit about that, because 
when Hawking talked about the vibration and you talk about the vibration um, and somebody listening right now is going, well, you know, I'm maybe at that martyr level and I want to go to that mystic level, right? What is it that they can do to start on the path? Well, I think it's important, and maybe this is the most important point to today's show, it's already within you. This Mm -hmm. isn't something that we're attaining outward. In other words, we're not trying to reach some sort of destination or this upward movement of, I need to raise my vibration. The deeper recognition is, as you said, we're all mystics, and that may sound very esoteric. All it means is we came into this world deeply connected with source energy. You know, we're a particle of this source energy, and then we get all this programming to believe all the conditions of the world. The but why do we, why do we, TJ, why do we block it? Well, how does it get blocked? I mean, you know, look, it's one thing to be at utter peace and know that you're walking in the will of God, let's call it that, and know that you are vibrating at another level. And it's another thing to be attacked by the, uh, let's call it uh, the darkness of the world. Hmm? Um, I'm not going to say devil. I'm just going to say darkness. But, you know, there is a lot of things that lure people in to doing things they wouldn't normally do um, out of, and and we can get talking about ego in a minute, but the reality is, um, how would you ask people to tap into this more frequently or how can they? Well, I think it's the the process. I think it's for me, it's a twofold process. It's dedicated time in the silence, really getting in touch with culti- cultivating a relationship with the essential self, being feeling that frequency, kind of all the things that we've talked about. And then the second piece of it, we also already talked about, and that is what needs to be unlearned, right? What are those programs we were taught based on our age, our race, our socioeconomic status, our sexual orientation, all the things that we're taught from the world. So it's the awareness of who and what we truly are, spending dedicated time in a spiritual practice, reconnecting, and that's only the mind because we're never disconnected from it. And then it's also looking at all those beliefs, all those ideas, unplugging from the world, tapping into our true essence. And from there, then we can witness or observe what's happening in the world without being pulled. In other words, the greatest freedom we can ever experience is freedom from the reactive impulse. Yeah. And it's about taking off the veil. You know, we, we all put on protective veils. A lot of times, you know, being vulnerable is what it requires. Um, being bare. It's kind of to bear witness. And you mentioned there's five keys in making peace with the past. And I think this is a really important one that actually people use it as an excuse. You know, my parents did it to me. My ex-wife did it to me. You know, that's kind of the martyr one you were talking about. But they're not taking responsibility for their own uh, being in life. In other words, who they've right. become. They're saying, I'm going to go blame somebody. The government did it. This person took my money, whatever. What are the five keys to unlock the power of step one? And why is it important to practice the keys? Well, I'm going to tr- I'm going to have a true confession with you right now. And I'm going to say, I have the book in front of me and I want to <laughs> make sure I get the steps right. These It's keys. okay. 
in in each of the steps, what I've done is I've given them five keys. And the reason that I do this is if someone who's listening or watching right now is like me, I want to have like sort of some steps in my mind. So I'm going to read the keys and then we can um, tap into them. So the first key is practicing mindfulness and gratitude. And I put them together for a reason. Embracing self-love, living beyond your stories, feeling your feelings, and living in the question. So we talked about dedicated time in the silence. We talked about what it means to practice meditation or mindfulness, but there's also a frequency of gratitude. And I think one of the keys to gratitude is we often hear, what am I grateful for? And I'm exploring a different possibility here. And that is what if gratitude is actually a frequency that doesn't need to be attached to something? In other words, Can I be the energy or the frequency of gratitude? And when I'm in that frequency of gratitude, I can look at my past through a very different lens. Um, We talked about things happen to me and how many of us live in this idea of forgiveness, right? Because, you know, the five steps to embracing the life of your dreams is not forgiveness. First of all, FUVI is not a great acronym, but I call it making peace with the past because I think forgiveness is a very loaded word because it's deeply entrenched in good and bad and right and wrong. And we can dive in, into any of these five keys, but I think that's an important first one to really talk about that gratitude piece. Well, you know, hey, look, the five pieces, let me just say this. What would you say about um, living as someone with a ton of self-love and compassion, compassion for oneself, because the outside world, as we take it in, has a tendency to want to beat us up for what we're not. And we can always say we're not enough. And if you really look at many of the problems that exist in our own being, it's from us trying to do something to prove something for someone else, not always for ourselves. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the first biggest one to address because subconsciously we go through much of our life doing that. You know, I know I had a little Jewish mother and she used to say, Well, what did you do today? It was never, Who were you today? It was, What did you do today? It wasn't about my being. It was about my doing. And I think many of us are caught in the doing cycle, which is about doing something, not always for ourselves, but most of the time for somebody else so we can look good in someone else's eyes. Address that. That's right. Well, conscious being leads to conscious doing. And most (laughs) of us have been taught it's the opposite. You know, we must do, do, do. We become these doers, right? I like that. It's like do, do. But anyway, yeah, exactly. Self love is, is an interesting topic. You found your new book. Do, do, now, do, do, do. <laughs> <laughs> the three steps to do, do. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, when, when we are in that doing, and, and it does tie into self love because I think a lot of times when people hear the term self love, we naturally go to, I must love everything that I've ever done. And that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about being the frequency of love. It's not loving, very similar to gratitude. It's not that I'm loving all parts of me, although it is that, 
But really, it's about that frequency of love. And when I realize, if I look at a small baby, I'm not going to say that person, that little person's unlovable. That person literally is love, right? Their brains haven't even developed to have all these stories about who they are. They're just in this essence, right? And so self-love really is about getting in touch with that and realizing that love is who and what we are. The great poet Rumi says, we're not here to seek for love, but only look at the barriers we've put. I think he might have said on top of that or to block that. And that really is a very different way. So it's not only loving ourselves, but it's realizing that love is who and what we are. And that's a really different way of living in the world. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. And I want to go back to this element because in many practices, it comes back to mindfulness, meditation, silence, solitude, whatever it might be. And you consider meditation as important tool in all the five steps of conscious creation. Um, talk about, if you would, like you did in the video, for all my listeners, go to his YouTube channel, go down to the one on conscious creation, the first video. And let's speak about the monkey mind a minute. And how when we go to sit in meditation, how we can be distracted. But in your case, just love the distractions. Love what's being coming through you. Um, most people, as you said in the video, was, no, I got to shun that because my mind's got to get to total emptiness. I'm not certain that anybody's mind, other than maybe someone who's in a cave in India, gets to total em- emptiness not in the world in which we live. I just want to be a realist here. Um, And if I'm wrong, all my listeners, you can write me and say, hey, have you ever been to that? When you get to that point of nirvana, where you're completely empty and you're one with all, that doesn't always happen every day. (laughs) Yeah. And I, you know, many of us have had those peak experiences and, you know, in my experience, they come and they go. Yeah. What we're really speaking to here is how many times have you heard someone say, oh, I can't meditate? And if we explore why they're saying that, they'll say something like, well, I can't get my mind to be quiet. So I would say to them, what if meditation, the goal of meditation or the intention isn't to quiet the mind, it's to observe it. Now, that sounds maybe like semantics, but it's a fundamentally different way of relating to the mind. And because when I was learning, and I'm using air quotes, if someone's listening, just know I'm using air quotes. When I was learning to meditate, I was like, I was very much in a a pretty violent relationship with my mind. Stop thinking, stop, you know, inner chatter, be quiet, be quiet, shut up, shut up. And I realized at one point that I could actually observe those thoughts and there would be a lot of information there. So Yes, sometimes a meditation is very blissful. Sometimes we tap into a place where it feels like our mind is empty. And I might judge that as a good meditation. And then I might sit down and it's brutal, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes of just so much inner criticism or so much judgment of the world. I might judge that as a bad or a negative meditation. What if that's not true? What if that observation of that is actually a really powerful place to be because we get to experience or see the mind for what it is. That to me is a very different way of meditating. It's interesting. I, you know, I have several meditation cushions too. several means too. Uh, and, and 
I, oftentimes, you know, I go to sit and I notice myself twitching or I want to move a foot or I can't get comfortable. Or I, and I recognize that when I'm uncomfortable like that, there's a message, right? And I, and oftentimes I'll truncate the meditation just because I'm so antsy and I'm like, I'm never even going to get there. So why am I going to even try? Because my mind is so filled with stuff that I have to do. We just talked about it. But if you can come in and I'm almost like it's prep before the meditation, right? It's what are you doing that sets yourself up for a good meditation? And I want to talk about, you state that the most rewarding result uh, from conscious creation processes, living an awakened life. Can you share with the listeners the awakening living, living is in its simplest form and how to create it? Yeah, in its simplest form, it's waking up to the truth of who and what we are. And waking up to the truth of who and what we are is realizing that we're not those thoughts of limitation and lack, that we're not our ego self, our personality self, that we are actually infinite beings. And that we can tap into this, not only in our spiritual practice of meditation or mindfulness, but actually in the world. I woke up one day and I heard spiritual practice. And I always thought the intention of meditation was to have a wonderful meditation. And then I realized it's really a practice for how we can be in the world. So an awakened life in its simplest form is knowing who and what we are. It's that conscious being rather than that doing that we talked about. And that can be a very, very simple thing. you know. And a wise person once said, it can take a lifetime and it can happen in an instant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well said. And I... And I would say that is what people need to awaken to, is that this process doesn't have to take you years and years. And when I say this process, I'm just going to call it the awakening process, the the evolution of consciousness like Hawking was talking about. I'm not saying you're ever going to be a Dalai Lama or you're ever going to be a Mother Teresa or you're ever going to be anybody like that. It doesn't matter. What matters is how you outwardly express yourself to the world and how the world perceives you as a a source of light a source of love a source of of consciousness a source of someone who gives and is interested in giving back and with that in mind you know you provide a lot of wisdom in this book um and you, by ending each step and you give what helpful keys, if you were to choose three keys from any step in the book, <laughs> um, what would you leave the audience with? And what would you like to, to lend them to embracing in their life so that they can fulfill their dreams, right? Everybody out there has dreams. And they're attempting to manifest those dreams. And you say dreams, okay, it's my vision, it's my dream, it's it's however you want to reference it. But um, I believe we're in two dream states. We're in a dream state during the day, awakened dream state. And at night, we, we're in another dream state. But the reality is we're constantly in a dream. Because, you know, if you look at quantum physics, in parallel worlds, 
this is all occurring. We could get pretty deep here, I'm sure. We're not, we don't have time for that. But the reality is, is that, okay, I knock on this desk. You know, could I put my hand through the desk? Can I vibrate at a level where I could literally walk through the wall? I know from somebody that's sort of thick voice and you've gone off the, the big deep end here. Um, but speak with our listeners because you're really trying to embrace this concept of realizing this isn't being done to you. It's being given to you. Yes. Well, and that's, you know, the, the entire premise of the book is that we're holding the projector. That's why I use the metaphor movie and that we're literally projecting onto a blank screen. And so it's not so much what's happening in the world. It's how we're perceiving what's happening. And as you said, quantum mechanics is now showing us that the observer has a profound effect. Simply said, I, I will see what I expect to see. So if I say the world is brutal and hostile, I walk out into the world and I will see it everywhere. And, and I can actually argue that it's true because look, there it is. That's horrible. I can say the world is kind and loving and I can find evidence to support that everywhere too. Neither one is any more true than the other. It's really what we focus on and that's what grows. And so if I think about a couple of keys that come to mind, I don't know if I have three, but I definitely have two that came to mind. One is living beyond our stories and living in the question. And I think I want to focus on living in the question because You know, our mind, we've been programmed to believe that this is about finding answers. What's the answer? What's the fact? What's the truth? Our whole educational system, what we call intelligence is actually simply memorization, right? Mm -hmm. Living in the question allows us to expand our awareness rather than keeping us stuck. So you ask an open-ended question, simply meaning that it can't be answered with yes or no, that's empowering and allows us to start to expand our awareness because uh, a great teacher once you, she used to use the analogy of like space and you look at all the different stars and she said consciousness is like a circle that you put where you can only see eight or nine stars when you expand you start to see more they were always there but we couldn't see them because of the the barrier we put on it so living in the question allows us to expand rather than contract judgment restricts curiosity expands very simple so some of the questions i use are how does it get even better than this you know you go through a difficult day and say How does it get even better than this? Or you have something that's really wonderful and you ask that question. What else is possible is a great question. Who have I come here to be is a great question. We start to live in these questions and we start to see our consciousness expand, not so that we can create or manifest, but that we can become aware of that which we couldn't see before because of our lens. You know, you you definitely have hit on some main important points and i would say the last one that you just said is living in the question versus always trying to find the answer you know it can't be a yes or no it isn't black or white it's something to contemplate and an open-ended question like that allows you this wonderment to explore you know and it doesn't really matter if you find the answer The answer, it isn't about the answer. It's about living the embodiment of of 
what it is that you'd like to express to the world. And I think you are a conscious creation of that, uh, Mr. TJ Woodward. Thank you for being on Inside Personal Growth and sharing some of your insights. It was it was really quite um, enlightening. And you can see the wisdom that resides within you. And for my listeners, um, go up to TJ's YouTube channel. I think all you have to do is see him because one of the things, you know, some of you are going to watch this on video. Many of you are going to listen to this on iTunes or Spotify. You're going to listen. Um, but once you see the embodiment of who TJ Woodward is and what he really wants to bring to the world, you really get it by just watching a couple of his videos. Uh, so take the time to go to YouTube, check it out, go get the book. We're going to have a link to the books on Amazon. And TJ, blessings to you, my friend. It's been a pleasure having you on Inside Personal Growth. Any final thoughts? My final th- thoughts are thank you, um, gratitude. I always like to close out with gratitude, grateful for the amazing work you're doing for this show all these years, bringing consciousness to the world. And to someone who's watching or listening now, very simply, if no one's told you today, you are a whole and perfect infinite being. Thank you for listening to this podcast on Inside Personal Growth. We appreciate your support. And for more information about new podcasts, please go to InsidePersonalGrowth.com or any of your favorite channels to listen to our podcast. Thanks again and have a wonderful day.